studies in the life of Abraham, a man who lived by faith in the Son of God, even as we do. And today we pick up our reading and our study at Genesis chapter 13. Abraham and Lot have now returned from their stay in Egypt. And we read now in verse 5 about their renewed life in the land of Canaan. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, towards Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan, and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain, and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are, and look north, south, east, and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Amen. Uh, James uh, speaks about quarrels. And he asks a question in James chapter 4 and verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Why do differences, why do disagreements arise within the church? Why do they arise within Christian families? Between and among those 
who've been saved by Christ. And James, of course, goes on in that chapter to answer his own question. He says they rise from within us. And he is drawing our attention to the fact there that though we are saved by Christ and our sins are past, our sins are forgiven, we are not yet free from sin. Uh, we are not yet perfect. And so uh, quarrels arise among the people of God because of the sin, because of the eye that still remains within us. Now this morning in our studies in Genesis, we come to chapter 13, verses 5 to 9. Uh, and here we have a very practical illustration of this arising in the life of Abraham, the believer, and also in the life of Lot, who we need to remember is also a believer. And we can say that with certainty because in Second Peter, uh, uh, Peter refers to Lot as that godly man. And so this morning we want to look at this passage. Two believers caught up in a quarrel through their servants. And it reminds us that the people of God will not escape quarrels. No matter how circumspect we are ourselves, and even if we were to avoid ever having a quarrelsome spirit, we will inevitably be caught up in quarrels. If we have children, we will find our children quarrelling with each other. Or we may find our children quarrelling with our friends' children. And if the truth is told, we will have to admit that there are times when we quarrel with our marriage partner. Perhaps with our children with other believers, even our fellow church members. So we can't be complacent about quarrels, uh, either within the biological family, where we live six days of the week, or within the church family, when we gather together on the Sabbath and at other times during the week. Now, quarrels can do great damage uh, if they're not resolved quickly and satisfactorily. They can lead to a loss of trust, a loss of openness, a breakdown in communication within relationships. And they then, of course, damage our witness in the world and hinder the cause of the gospel. And so this morning we want to learn from Abraham, because he's the man who shows maturity, spiritual maturity, in the face of this quarrel that engulfs him. And we want to learn from him how we're to handle disagreements uh, when they arise, or handling quarrels. That's the title uh, of our study this morning, Living by Faith in Christ as we handle 
disagreements. And uh, I tried to get four Ps this morning. I hope it's not a bit stretched. Uh, the first one is be proportionate. That's the most obscure one. So let me explain what I mean by that. Quite simply, keep things in proportion or perspective. Be proportionate. Verse 7 we read, And quarreling arose between the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot. So Abraham said to Lot, This man has um, a perspective on the whole situation and he's proportionate uh, to what is actually happening. What do I mean by that? Well, he acknowledges and recognizes that there is a problem. That there is a quarrel to be resolved. He does not bury his head in the sand. Pretending that nothing is happening between uh, these herdsmen. That everything is normal. He doesn't put off taking action in the hope, well, with time, it'll probably sort itself out. Or let's see if it'll sort itself out. Rarely does that happen. And generally with time, quarrels get worse and become magnified rather than sorting themselves out. He doesn't play it down. He doesn't say this is a, a squabble, a storm in a teacup and it'll blow by. The word for strife here is Meribah. It's used of Israel in Exodus chapter 17 and so when they quarreled against the Lord and against Moses it was very evident and it was very deliberate and it was very intense and so Abram knows that this quarrel is serious enough to warrant action there are times when love covers over a multitude of evil and uh, our lives and our homes and our life in the church would be an absolute wretched experience as Christians if we were to latch on to every word or every um, attitude that of the slightest nature that was wrong in the relationship of another. But Equally important, Abraham doesn't magnify it out of all proportion. He doesn't make it out to be worse than it was. He doesn't call it a war when it is, in fact, a quarrel. There's great proportion here in this man. Abraham does not attribute blame. He doesn't go around saying, well, Lot, this is your fault and the fault of your men. Your men are becoming too greedy. And you're, they're quarreling with my men. Abram's wise enough to recognize that it always takes at least two people to make a quarrel. And so whatever way this is playing itself out, there's some kind of competition over grass and over water, over limited resources between these sets of herdsmen. Perhaps it was that um, they, want, they were getting up earlier and earlier to take their flocks out to the nearby grass. Uh, and there's this competition happening. Perhaps they had some uh, word of mouth agreement 
uh, and it is being broken. We're not told, but the fact is, they're quarreling. Abraham doesn't leave it to Lot to sort it out. He doesn't say, well, I'm not going to him. He can come to me. After all, I'm the older member of this family, uh, and I'm the one to whom the land was given, and he's here as my guest. Now we read, Abraham said to Lot. There is a wealth of practical help here for the people of God in this example of Abraham. How to resolve, how to address quarrels. And when we become involved in a quarrel, we must always keep things in perspective. We need to be proportionate about it. To know when a quarrel is a quarrel. Not to play it down. Not to magnify it up to unreal proportions either. Not to go around blaming the other party. For their um, words or their actions. Not leaving it to the other person to sort out. But going directly uh, to the person to sort it out. Remember what Christ himself said when he was on this earth. Matthew 5 and verse 23. If your brother has something against you. Your brother. It's not in your heart. But your brother has something against you. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. That's the first thing this morning about handling disagreements as those who profess Christ. But then secondly, let's see, handling disagreements be personal. Be personal. What do we mean by that? Well, we mean keep things to yourself. Abraham doesn't go and talk to outsiders about the quarrel. We're told the Canaanites and the Perizzites are in the land. And no doubt Abraham has gotten to know some of them as neighbours. But he doesn't go and talk to them about what has been happening between his herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. He doesn't even talk to the herdsmen about it. To try and establish, well, how it began or how it developed or who is to blame. He doesn't go to Lot's herdsmen and sort them out. For having quarreled with his herdsmen. The verse 8 says. Abraham said to Lot. Lot is the man in charge here. Of the other herdsmen. And Abraham's in charge of his herdsmen. He doesn't wash his hands of the situation. No he's personal. And how many situations are made worse. Because those who have responsibility. Wash their hands. Of situations and they allow them to develop uh, under their their noses as it were and by not talking to others about it Abraham contains the problem doesn't make it worse doesn't add to it by taking sides Abraham knows the fewer people that he involves and tells about it the less it will be talked about and the easier it will be to sort out. Isn't that true? Isn't that true in life? And yet we can fail to do that. We can fail to be personal in our approach. Man to man. Woman to woman. 
parent to child, husband to wife, neighbor to neighbor, work colleague to work colleague, church member to church member. Matthew 5, verse 23 again. Therefore, if your brother is something against you, go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. Be personal. Be personal. And only when Christians are unable to solve problems between them are they then to involve other Christians. That's the pattern. If you go to your brother and you can't sort the thing out between you, then you're to bring, as Matthew says, as Jesus teaches later on in Matthew's Gospel, bring one or two others. And if that doesn't resolve the situation, then it has to be brought to the church. And how often we do things the wrong way. We do things to defend and to justify self, the I in me, in my life. We have a quarrel or a disagreement with another believer, and what do we do? We go to someone else. We go to several other people, and we talk about it. And we try to get them on our side uh, and to, to see our uh, position instead of going to the person with whom we've had the quarrel. Tragically, it's happening all the time in marriages in our land. A husband and wife quarrel. And instead of first talking to each other, what do they do? Tell their best friend at work. Or their best friend from school days. And often that compounds the problem. Because the person that you tell about it is then seen by the person that you're quarreling with as taking sides. So we see here to be personal. But then thirdly we want to see here this morning handling disagreements be principled. Be principled. And by that I mean deal within the parameters of Scripture. Deal with things according to Scripture. And so the question now is, when you get to the point of going uh, to your marriage partner or your child or your neighbour, or your parent, uh, or your fellow church member, and you've realised, yes, I must do that. I've got to be personal. And yes, this is a big enough issue that it's got to be addressed. Then how are you going to deal with it? What are you going to say when you're sitting down there and there's a tension and... You're looking for words. Well, what does Abraham say or do? Does he go in all guns blazing, as we would say? Does he go and get stuck into Lot uh, and um, with a view to, I'll soon sort him out? Does he go with his hair standing on end with um, anger and smoke coming out of his ears? No, look at how Abraham goes to Lot calmly. He goes quietly, and here's a man that is in full control 
of himself. Because the Holy Spirit is at work in his life. And he makes a plea based on a principle of scripture. And what is his plea? Verse 8. Let's not have any quarreling between you and me. And between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. That's his plea. Let's draw a line under it. Let's put an end to it. Let's find a resolution to it. That's his plea. And what's his principle? What's the principle of scripture? For we are brothers. You see there's what this man knows. Lot. You and I. We are brothers. We're brothers. Now what does he mean by that? Well of course he's talking about. The biological relationship. That exists between them. Lot is his nephew. And so they belong to the same biological family. And that's one aspect of this. We are brothers. But there's another underlying aspect. They are brothers in Christ. They are brothers spiritually. They're both living by faith. In the son of God. They both know Christ. They love him. They serve him. Yes they don't have the same knowledge. The same degree. Same extent as you and I have. But no one is saved in the Old Testament. No one is a believer in the Old Testament. Without having seen the Christ afar off. Dimly as it were. And yet really. And truly. And savingly. And so Abram knows that they're brothers on this double level, double sense. And he says, because we belong to the same family, we shouldn't be quarreling. God intended, God put people in families. And his his intention for the family was that it would reflect that unity and harmony and fellowship that there is in the Godhead. Between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now that's been damaged in the earthly family, the biologic family, because of sin. But if we've been renewed by grace, and if our sin has been removed, then we have a new ability to live together as brothers. And we should be reflecting more and more what God is like. And that unity and that harmony and that oneness that is within God. The Godhead should be seen in our lives in a family, Christian family and in the Christian church. And so on this principle we are brothers. That's the solid ground on which he says, let's put an end to it. And is that not the principle to guide you and me? And to motivate you and me when you quarrel with your spouse? 
It's not just that you're a brother and sister. It is that you are one flesh. It's even deeper and richer. The two have become one. And so when we quarrel, what are we doing? We're rending asunder what God has joined together. And when we have a quarrel with another Christian, do we not need always to remember, this is my brother. This is my sister for whom Christ died. He and I are joined together in one body, the body of Christ. Joined to Christ, we are joined to each other. And therefore, there should be no quarreling between us. Throughout this whole instant, Abraham behaves like a mature believer. And when it comes to resolving our quarrels, um, we must behave like a brother or sister. In a biological family and in the Christian family. No finger pointing, no accusations, no recriminations, no statements such as, I wish I hadn't allowed you to come with me. Abram could have said that. Which hadn't allowed you to come with me. But he doesn't. There's no emotive language. I regret the day that I. How often we hear those phrases. Or you make me fatal. That's emotive language. That's not, the, that's not principled language. Upon which to deal with our problems. And our quarrels. If you're going to put the focus, if I'm going to put the focus on anyone, where are we to put it? On myself. On ourselves. On yourself. Your failures, your faults, your weaknesses. It's that that will get the hearing and get the ear of the person that you've quarreled with. So here we see that Abraham deals with this whole situation uh, on the basis of a principle. He goes with a plea. Let there be no quarreling. Why? Because we are brothers. But then let's notice finally this morning handling disagreements or differences among Christians. Be practical. Be practical. In other words, find a solution that works. Why has this quarrel arisen? Well, yes, it's because of sin in the heart of man. And Abraham recognizes that. But he also recognizes that there's a very practical root and cause to the quarrel. And so it's not just enough to recognize the sin that's there in the human heart. Abraham recognizes they need to address with the, the cause of this that, is, that, that has brought this problem to life. 
And look at what he says, verse 6. We're told in verse 6, the land could not support them. There's the reason. There's what precipitates the quarrel. There's what draws out, as it were, the, the sin that is in the heart. They could not, the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. That verb, stay together or dwell together, is emphasized several times. And it's, it's underlining the fact that there's a very practical cause that lies behind this disagreement that can't be ignored. You see, sometimes that's the mistake we make. You say, oh, we are Christians. We've got to act as brothers. And we don't, and that's right, but we sometimes don't recognize the practical cause of the disagreement that needs to be addressed and resolved if it is to be prevented in the future. And so we just say, let's get along together. And lo and behold, next week or next month, the issue crops up again. And you see, if they don't deal with this problem, that there's not enough grass and there's too many animals, then the disagreement is going to happen again and again and again. And so, Abraham isn't idealistic. He doesn't say, I've got to share these fields and wells no matter what. He recognizes that it isn't simply enough for him and Lot to agree not to quarrel. He's realistic. Changes need to be made if this is to be prevented happening again. And so Abraham suggests a practical way forward in verse 9. Is not the whole land before you? Is not the whole land before you, or all the land? Please separate from me. If you go to the left, then I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will take to the left. Do you notice how generous this man is here? The land is his. God has promised it to him. But Abraham doesn't say now, we're going to sort this out and I'm going to have first choice. First say. No, he gives uh, Lot first choice. And so we realize here that in a family, in a workplace, in a church, there may arise disagreements. And yes, we've got to recognize that principle that we should not be quarreling. But in recognizing that, we must also ask, is there a cause to this quarreling? Let's imagine you have a family of young children. Uh, and um, the quarrels always seem to happen in the bedroom. And there are three boys. Let's make it four boys. This is not a true situation. Nothing to do with our family. Uh, and they're sharing the same bedroom. Well, maybe the practical reality is the space is too confined 
and to try and have four boys in the one bedroom is not very realistic. And maybe you've got to think about, is there space we can create somewhere else? Maybe that junk room needs to be cleared out. Instead of being filled with junk from 30 years ago. Or more. And it's got to be made a place for one of those wives. Or maybe there's a room uh, that has got to be turned into. Uh, a room, another room that's, uh, that could be uh, changed in its use. So that the root cause is being dealt with. So we've got to be practical. That's what we're seeing from Abraham here. And there are times, sadly, when two believers in work, in the church, they will see issues differently. There are times that they have to go their separate ways. It happened with the apostles. Um, Paul and Barnabas over John Mark. But when that happens, they're always to do so with respect for each other. Abraham and Lot separated this point, but they separate caring for and praying for each other with no hard feelings, no bitterness. And in fact, we will see as we go through the account of the life of Abraham that Abraham doesn't send Lot out never to think of him again and saying, that's, I've left that behind me. That's in the past. I've moved on. No, we find later on when Lot is attacked by enemies. Genesis 14, the next chapter. We'll come to next week. What does Abraham do? He goes to rescue him. Why? Because he is my brother. It is still when Abraham hears that Sodom and Gomorrah are going to be destroyed. What does he do? He prays to God. And why does he pray for God to act to save that city? Well, yes, he does have a concern for the larger population. But he is thinking very precisely of Lot and his wife and his sons and Lot's daughters-in-law. Genesis 18. Who are now living in those cities. And so we see that Abraham, when he separates here, it is as brothers, and it is to, uh, to avoid this problem arising again. So let's ask then as we draw it all together, what is it that makes Abraham handle this crawl in this way? What is it that makes him be proportionate he doesn't magnify things. He doesn't minimize things. What is it that makes him personal? He goes to Lot. What is it that makes him principled? We are brothers. What is it that makes him practical? We've got to separate. Well, it is his living and saving faith in Christ. It's his faith that holds all of this together. It's his faith that keeps him from jumping off the deep end. It's his faith that makes him personal as opposed to um, remote in dealing with the situation. It's his faith that brings to the fore this principle, we are brothers. 
And again, it's his faith that enables him to make changes to avoid the problem happening again. And Abraham grows through this experience. And you see, that's how we're to view quarrels. Boys and girls, when you quarrel with one another, or with your parents, you're to learn from it. You're to learn um, qualities that will enable you not to do it again. To be patient with your brother or sister who's playing with that toy or using that game on the computer. You're to learn kindness. Well, you go first and I'll come next. You're to learn forgiveness. And you see, the God in the midst of our quarrels is teaching us important graces that then we're to show in life. When it comes to handling our quarrels, let's be clear, there's no quick fix. There are no glib answers. But like Abraham, let's realise we do have a different approach. Our faith in Christ determines and is to shape everything we do. And everything uh, that we propose. Handling quarrels. Are any of you in a fight or a quarrel this morning with another believer? How are you handling it? Are you living by faith in the Son of God? As Abraham did. Being proportionate. And personal. And principled. And practical. So that Christ has been honoured. And situations are being resolved. To his glory. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Our God and our Father in heaven. We thank you today for the word of God that is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. We thank you that the word of God is able to equip the believer for every good work and is able to speak to us in every difficult situation. Lord, we pray that by your Spirit you would sanctify to our hearts now the things we've seen this morning from your servant Abraham, how he as a believer handled disagreement when it arose within the biological family, but also within the confines of what was the church in that day. Lord God, we pray that you would make us like him. We pray that you would make us like Christ, whom he modelled, and resembled and reflected in this situation. Help us, O Lord, to be controlled in our speech and thoughts and actions. Help us, Lord, to be principled in what we say and propose and do. Help us also to be realistic, to know when and what changes need to be made in order to avoid 
similar situations occurring again. Lord, help us to live to your glory in this fallen world in which you have placed us and that we might reflect more and more that unity, that peace, that harmony, that delight that is in heaven within the Godhead between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen.